0: Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to the fifth sermon of our Lent series. In this sermon, you're going to hear how we can find hope in God even though all things human, whether life or power, are as good as dead. You are listening to Proclaiming the Lord's Death as Good as Dead by Rev. Peter Yonker. Friends, our Bible reading this morning is from the book of Romans again, Romans chapter 4. I will read verses 16 through 21. 16 through 21, and this continues our series on proclaiming the Lord's death, coming around the cross and thinking about the cross's implication for our life. Here's God's word. Therefore, says Paul, the promise comes by faith. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who brings life from the dead and calls into being Things that are not. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to uh, structure my sermon to you today around uh, two phrases from the text. As I was studying this week and praying about this sermon, there were two phrases from the text that, that came out to me as central to Paul's purpose and that would, I think, communicate to us what Paul is trying to say about faith. And, and the first of those two phrases is the phrase, as good as dead. Those are the words that uh, Paul uses to describe Abraham and Sarah, actually, but especially Abraham it says his body was as good as dead. As good as dead. So back in 2008, uh, Linda and I took the kids when they were a lot younger, and we took them on a western excursion, a big western trip. And we got our minivan all loaded, and we hooked up our little pop-up camper, and we drove sort of south and west right through the center of this beautiful country uh, so that we could show our kids some of the wonders of the western part of this nation. And we started by going down to Colorado, where we went to Mesa Verde and and saw some of the cliff dwellings there, which were really cool. And after a couple of days there, we went further south and west into Arizona, because we wanted to show our children the Grand Canyon. Now, when you go from Colorado to Arizona, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can drop down south and take the interstate, or, and this is what we chose to do, you can take two-lane roads. So we took Highway 160, which goes right across the top of Arizona, and it really was the scenic route. It was a gorgeous drive. All along the way, we passed huge rocky outcroppings. Uh, We went by these fields of sagebrush where cattle were grazing. We went by these great high red mesas, all of them sort of framed by this cobalt blue sky. It was unbelievable. And part of the fun when you go that way is that you go through these, these Arizona towns uh, and many of them have really quirky names, names like Rare Metals and Mexican Water and my personal favorite, Tuba City. Now, the whole drive is desert, so it's, it's, it's fairly barren, uh, especially by Michigan standards if you're really used to trees and, and greenery, but... Um, There was still life there, right? I mean, there was roads, and there were settlements, and there was cattle, and there was sagebrush, and you would even see flowers and stream beds with trees growing by it. But at some point, and this is just west of Tuba City, we're getting closer to the Grand Canyon. All of a sudden, we came to a place where the vegetation stopped. There were no trees. There was no sagebrush. There was not a blade of anything green anywhere to be seen as far as we could see it was totally lifeless it was just this red rock black asphalt and heat and it went on for miles and i don't mind telling you it was a little intimidating i'd never been in a place like that before where i couldn't see any life and and it made me feel unsettled to be in a place that was so inhospitable it felt inhospitable it felt unnatural It was utterly barren and scorched. When I was thinking about Abraham and Sarah and the phrase, as good as dead, this week, I found myself thinking of that scorched land west of Tuba City. Because that's kind of the picture that Paul is painting when he describes the state of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, the barren woman. Paul doesn't call her that here, but he does in Galatians, Galatians 4.27, he calls her the barren woman. It's not a very nice word for someone who can't have children, but that's what we used to say, right? The barren woman. Actually, he's a little harder in this passage than barren. He says that her womb was dead. And he's not much nicer to Abraham. He says that he, at 100 years old, or almost 100 years old, is as good as dead. So he paints this picture of these two dilapidated, desiccated, dried-up people. Now, why does Paul paint such an unflattering picture of Abraham and Sarah? Well, it's because he wants to talk about faith. And if you want to talk about faith to people of those days, and even people today, you've got to talk about Abraham and Sarah because Abraham and Sarah were considered heroes of faith. If you grew up, as a, a young Jewish person or as a young Jewish Christian person, your parents would point you to Abraham and Sarah and say, they are models of faith. So Paul says, and, and, and in Isaiah, actually, uh, he says it specifically. He says, Abraham is our father and Sarah is our mother. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, says Isaiah. So Paul says, okay, let's, let's look to Abraham and Sarah. Let's look at them and see what we see. And then he shows us these These two old people, Abraham almost a hundred, his faith weathered from being in the wind and the sun. And Sarah standing in front of him, beside him, in front of the the tent and the, the dust blowing around them and the wind whipping up their hair. Do they look like they have any potential to deliver the promised child of the covenant? Do these two people look Like they can give the child upon whom all the hopes of the world rest? No chance. They are as good as dead. They are barren. When humanly speaking, there is absolutely no hope in the picture of those two people that Paul paints. It's not a picture of hope, it's a picture of hopelessness. When you look at those two people, humanly speaking, as good as dead. In the last month, I think we have all come to realize how shaky human hopes and human power really is. In the past month, we've realized things that we thought were so strong, humanly speaking, are in fact much more fragile than we could possibly believe. A month and a half ago, we were justifiably proud of our great American economy, 10 years of growth, Lowest unemployment rate in history or in a very, very long time, right? The stock market at a record level. I read somewhere this week that uh, in February sometime, our 401ks, the value of our 401ks, cumulatively were higher than they ever had been. Everything looked great. All these institutions, all these things looked impossibly strong. If some bearded prophet had come into this church and stood up here and said to you in, say, late or mid-February, had said to you, in a month's time, 3.3 million people will be out of work, the market will be down 30%. The economists will be talking about 20% unemployment. And the economists at Goldman Sachs will be talking about a 24% contraction in our GDP. You would have looked at that bearded prophet and you would have said, there's no way. That can't possibly happen. Those things could not possibly happen in a month. Our institutions are too strong. What could possibly bring that sort of outcome? And yet, here we are. A month ago, all those institutions seemed rock solid, and now they all seem kind of flimsy. And I don't know about you, but this last month has made me realize how much trust I had put in those human things. How much of my own personal sense of well-being and security came from my belief in the strength of my 401k, in the health of my job, in the health of the institutions that I see around me every day and in the numbers that were coming across my screen, all these human things. More than I realized, my hopes were leaning on those things. And now that those things are tottering, I feel like I'm tottering a little bit too. Jeremiah's words about idols come to mind. Here's what he says about idols in Jeremiah 10. The people cut a tree out of the forest to make an idol. The craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. I wonder if God has been using the events of this last month to shake some of these idols out of my hands. And I wonder if he's been doing the same thing for you. Now hear me correctly, I'm not saying that God sent the coronavirus to punish our idolatry. I know some people are saying that. I'm not saying that. I think when we speak of God's purposes in these things, we have to be extremely humble. I think the coronavirus is, personally, if I had to guess, I think it's a result of the fall and of, of the evil that has been knit into this world by human sin. But only God ultimately knows why it came. But I do know this... Some of the things that I've been leaning on, some of the things like my 401k and those human institutions, um, they're starting to be shook out of my hands. And I wonder if some of those things have become like idols to me. And again, that doesn't mean they're bad things. A good economy, human flourishing, these are not bad things, but that's what an idol is, right? An idol is a good thing. An idol is a good God-created thing That we lean on too much, that we give too much of our heart and our soul and our life and our strength. These institutions, these human things, you know what? They make a really good offering to God. They make a really good offering of love that we give to one another and to our neighbors to create flourishing for each other. They're really good for that. Offerings of gratitude. You know what they're not good for? Bearing the weight of our souls. They cannot bear the weight of our eternal hopes. They're too shaky. In two weeks, they can start to crumble. Which brings us to the second phrase I want to lift up to you today. And it's the most important one. If you remember nothing else I say this morning, remember these words, the words of verse 17, which describe the character of our God. He is the God who brings life from the dead, and calls into being things that are not. Our God is the God who brings life from the dead. and calls into being things that are not. You belong to the God who brings life from the dead. And calls into being things that are not. If you're a Le Grave member, over the last two weeks we've been sending you daily devotions. The ministerial staff has made one a day. It's a way to keep in contact with you. And maybe you've noticed that we've used the same words at the beginning of every single, uh, of every single video. We, we start with the same sort of greeting. It's the old votum. It's actually the one that Ruth used this morning. People of the grave, people of God, where does our help come from? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Our help is in Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We say these words every single day because we want you to realize the essential fact of this life that while everything else is shaking, there is one thing that does not move and that's the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We say these same things every single day because we want to point you to the God who gives life from the dead and calls into being things that are not. I think many of us are finding our way to that God I was watching CBS News this morning this week, on Wednesday, I believe, and there was a story about two men who had survived the coronavirus and they'd been really, really sick. These are two men who were in ICU and had gone right to the edge of life. One of them was 40 and the other was in his 80s. And they had had these robust lives and those lives had been completely shaken to the point where they were like within breaths of dying. And after having their life shook like that, You know where they both ended up? They both ended up giving glory to God. The 80 year old said, it is only by the grace of God that I am here. And the 40 year old said, I was taking what I thought were my last breaths and I prayed and I felt like Jesus breathed into my lungs and gave me a second chance. When your life is shaken like that, it has a clarifying effect. You realize what is stable and what is tottery and you learn to anchor yourself on the God who gives life from the death and calls into being things that are not. Paul points to Abraham and Sarah as an example of of the limits of human power. He could just as easily have pointed to the cross of his son because when you think about how Good Friday went and how the crucifixion went, it's like God orchestrated it to show how completely bankrupt human power was. It's like he orchestrated it to show that, that, that human power was as good as dead and the institutions that we love. For example, the, the, the church, the religious institutions, how were they on that day? They're the ones who are supposed to lift up faith in God and point us towards him. What were they doing? People like me were leading the call to have Jesus crucified. What about the political powers, right? They're the ones appointed by God to keep justice. Were they doing justice? They executed an innocent man. What about the disciples? Jesus' best friends. Surely they would stick with him. Nope. Denial, betrayal, and abandonment. Even the creation, seems to become unstable. The ground shakes and the the sky goes dark. Human power is nowhere to be found on the moment that Jesus dies. It's like all human power is moved from the stage. The landscape is as barren as those rocky red rocks just west of Tuba City. Utterly barren. And in that place God plants his cross and brings eternal life because he wants to show that he is the God who brings life from the dead and calls into being things that are not. This is your God. I don't know what the state of your heart is right now. I know from talking to many of you this week and from hearing from the other staff who have been talking to many of you that many of you are okay. You're bored, but you're okay. Okay but some of you are shaking. If you're in business, and a business that you've been building your whole life is suddenly at the edge, these are really hard times. Or if you're an hourly employee and you live paycheck to paycheck and all of a sudden your income's drying up, these are really scary times. Or if you have somebody you love who's on the front lines of this fight, scary times. So wherever you are, however you're shaking, let me point you again towards the one firm foundation, the God who brings life from the dead and calls into being things that are not. And let me, starting with that foundation, encourage you to go out into the world with faith, hope, and love, those three things that Paul is always pushing on us. Start your day's faith. Open your hands and know that you belong to that God who brings life from the dead. And after you've opened your hands, lift up your head. And When you lift up your head, you're going to see all the bad news. You're going to see the newscasts that are full of these dire predictions. Look past them to the face of Jesus sitting on the throne and smiling because he's the one who actually has the future in his hand. And then when you've opened your hands and lifted up your head, take a step forward in love and love fiercely the people God puts in front of you today. and Show the world that you belong to the God who brings life from the dead and calls into being things that are not. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord God, we know our weakness. And if we didn't know it before, we know it now. Lord Jesus, Paul has just proclaimed to us your strength, your eternal strength, your firm foundation. And once again, Lord, we take take our stand on that unmovable place and we take comfort and shelter in the fact that we belong to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.